Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about The First Lady, the Showtime 10 episode limited series that is airing its final episode today, June 19th. My guest is the makeup department head, Carol Rashid. Carol, welcome to Below the Line. Hi, thank you. Warning for listeners, today's conversation may contain spoilers. We're going to avoid tonight's season finale, but everything else is fair game. Carol, start us out by introducing the show. Okay, well, the show is called The First Lady, and it is based on three historical first ladies. Uh, So it goes through uh, the Betty Ford years, it goes through the Eleanor Roosevelt years, and it also goes through the Michelle Obama years, which of course, they were the wives of those presidents. So President Obama, President uh, Roosevelt, and President Ford. So they were all the wives of those three presidents. And you've got some pretty heavy talent playing those wives. Yeah, we had, you know, for the Betty Ford block, of course, Michelle Pfeiffer um, was there. And she, of course, had a personal makeup artist. Her name was Valley O'Reilly, which uh, came in to do Michelle. And then for the Eleanor Roosevelt uh, portion, we had uh, Julie Kendrick. She came in to actually do the makeup and the hair. She's from the UK. She was amazing. Um, and then we had Sergio uh, Lopez Rivera was Viola Davis's, which of course, who's played uh, Michelle Obama. You know, I want to dive a little deeper into the role of personals doing makeup on set. But first, the other interesting thing to me about this show is that all the episodes are directed by Susanna Beyer, almost as if it's a really long movie. Right. And you know what? It's so interesting you say that because it was kind of shot as a movie. Uh, you know, Susanna Beyer, she is one amazing director. And, uh, you know, she was definitely a hands-on director. Uh, she had her opinion about every single thing, every single look. Um, and it was great because it really gave me, well, I guess after maybe about the second week, it took me about two weeks to really find out specifically what she wanted. It was like searching through the field, you know, for the first two weeks because, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, directors have visions in their head, but they don't exactly know how to get it out their head, you know, for you to be able to understand it. And this was a case with her. I mean, you know, she, you know, she just basically kind of said, you know, this is what I want, you know, but it really took me a couple of weeks to really figure out the look of the show for her. I had, you know, my own thing in, in my mind. I figured that I would try and do a look, you know, myself and my team. Of course, you can't do a show this big by yourself, but my team and I, you know, in in the very beginning, you know, we did tons and tons and tons of research. Um, and the uh, costume designer uh, scene, uh, you know, she had done many shows with Susanna. I think she had worked with, she's been working with Susanna for probably over 20, 25 years. Oh, wow. You know, okay. so, she, so she had a very um, clear vision of what Susanna wanted from makeup and from hair uh, you know, and she was very hands-on with us uh, specifically. So I spent a lot of time in the costume department with the costume designer, you know, trying to really figure out the first two weeks of that show, you know. So, uh, yeah, she was an integral part in terms of me helping to nail the look that Susanna felt most comfortable with. 
Well, Carol, if you hadn't worked with Susanna before, how did you get involved in the project? I actually got involved with the project from one of the producers uh, that I had worked with. I had done another TV series uh, for four years with another producer that was working for uh, Showtime. She was one of the execs. She contacted me directly and asked me, would I be interested in the show? And of course, who would be interested in that show You know, <laughs> with all those A-listers and, and to be able to tell a story of about 107 years, you know, uh, makeup artistry from that, from that viewpoint, from the early, I mean, from the late 1800s, all the way up to 2007, you know, so it was a, it was definitely a challenge and an experience that I just wanted to be a part of. Well, I want to get a sense of the challenge of what you faced logistically. I know you and I talked earlier and you filmed the show in blocks. In other words, each period complete, even though the episodes of the show are interwoven, you're shooting what was first? Well, here's the thing. You know, when the, when the show was actually shared with me in terms of how they were going to shoot, I was actually told that it would shoot in blocks. And this is one of the reasons why I accepted the show, right? I, I was told that we'll do block one and then we'll have three weeks off and then we'll be able to, you know, prep and prepare for the next uh, block. That never happened. I mean, we literally shot that show for nine months straight through. Okay. Uh, hindsight, I, I probably would never do that again, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dealing with the logistics of COVID and, and having to, you know, thank God for my team because I had a team that, you know, would, you know, do all the scheduling for COVID. Uh, we had to, you know, structure our trailers a certain way to have them divided, you know, to, to protect our talent and to protect ourselves, you know, so that in itself, you know, keeping enough staff, you know, in rotation to be able to cover the vast amount of talent that we had over all three blocks of that show, we did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, principals. So it was, it was quite an undertaking, you know, but I, it's so interesting that show prepared me for the show that I'm doing now because, <laughs> you know, it was, it was hell for the first month, you know, but after we really got the, the idea and collectively idea of what Susanna wanted to see on screen, you know, working with my team, working with seeing the costume designer and also working with Susanna, you know, we figured it out. We were one of the only departments that kind of finished the show out. I don't know, many departments ended up leaving. It was crazy, you know, however, you know, we were able to stick it in there, figure out the look of the show and it kind of carried over for each block. You know, the look of the show was very stylized. Um, even though it was period, we did the 1800s. Like I said, I think we did 1889 or something like that all the way up to 2007. Uh, but we were able to get a look for each block that was a simple thread that went through all three blocks of the show. You know, so the makeup needed to look like it was something that they had done themselves. You know, the, the director, uh, Susanna, like I said, she was very specific. I mean, as she looked at every single person that was going to be on screen, she wanted to see them beforehand. We had to do uh, makeup testing with all the actors that were coming in, even the day players that would come in for a day, the start, work, finish people. You know, so she wanted to see the makeup on them, their hair, um, and some of them dressed in costumes. 
before they would work. And I, I tell you, I learned something very valuable from that experience. It's, it's an experience that I think I'd like to take on all my shows because it, it saves so much time. It, it saves so much time when you're working with a director like that, that is a very visual director. So when people you know, showed up on set, they were looking like the looks that she had already approved. So that was something very new for me. I had never experienced that before, ever with a director. You know, it took more time. It took more staff. But ultimately, I think it saved the production money because of the fact that we had these people come in. We were able to get their looks worked out. So something that probably would have taken us, you know, an hour to do, you know, we cut the time by half by doing it beforehand. So and, and everybody was happy. Everybody knew what it was going to look like on the day. Well, that is a lot of extra upfront logistics and, and complications. And maybe this is a good time to go back to what you mentioned earlier about actresses of this level. They bring their personal hair, makeup, often a costumer with them, people that travel with them from show to show. Talk to me about how that dynamic integrates with what you're setting up with the director and the overall look. Well, you know, that's a very good question. Uh, the, the personals, like, for example, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, her personal Valley O'Reilly, Valley and I, like I did all, you know, I did all the breakdowns and I kind of sent them to Valley to say, listen, this, you know, what is happening? You know, we have a younger version of Betty Ford, you know? And so for me, I needed to know, you know, have a picture of, you know, what she was thinking for, for, for Michelle. Right. Um, I wanted to make sure I got an actor with the same color eyes to play the younger version with the same, you know, structure of face. You know, of course, you know, casting is, you know, takes part in that and kind of choosing, you know, the people. But one of my things that I had to do, you know, say they got a person that structurally looked the same, but their eye color was different, you know, or their teeth, how they smiled was different, you know, so that was an opportunity for me to be able to work with the personal to say, okay, this is what we need to do for the younger person, you know, so I worked in tandem with, with Valley O'Reilly, which was Michelle uh, Pfeiffer's personal. Julie Kendrick was, was Jillian Anderson's personal. I worked with, with Julie, you know, she sent me very close up pictures of the eye color of Jillian, you know what I mean? She took pictures of her, of her mouth and how she smiled, you know, so all those things made a difference. So for the character that played uh, the younger version for uh, uh, Jillian, we had to have teeth made for her, you know, to get the same overbite, you know, so it's things like that, that you have to do as a department head, and you got to be able to work closely with them. And of course, I was there to support them and what they needed as well, you know, as personals. Um, so, and the same thing with, with Michelle, with the Michelle block, we, I really didn't have a lot. Uh, we didn't go back and forth a lot with uh, Sergio in regards to what uh, Michelle Obama would need. Uh, you know, she's more current. She wasn't really back in the day. She's very more current. And he kind of did a lot of that on his own. Like, I think he had to have some foam vacuums made of her brows to be able to duplicate that Sergio did. So we talked, we did talk about the younger version though of Michelle, and she really looked stunningly like the young Michelle. So that wasn't a hard, it wasn't a hard thing for, for makeup and hair uh, for, for that particular character, the younger version. So absolutely, you work very closely with the personals. In this case, all the personals were fantastic. 
And by this time, we're filming in uh, 2021, right? You're from January to September. Was from, those... <laughs> Jan from, from January to September, I had never in my life done a show that long. <laughs> <laughs> so, had I known it was going to be nine months, I probably would have been like, well, you know what? Let me think about that. <laughs> um, you know, that's a quick way to get burned out. But, you know, the beauty of it is, is that, again, I had such an amazing team. The production, the producers, everybody was so supportive. So for me, it made it a lot easier. Whatever I needed, I asked for. Production didn't hesitate to give it to me, to provide the essentials for me to be able to do that show so effectively. Talk to me also about the challenges of the men. Specifically, I know there were some prosthetics that came in to get those guys into the look of the presidents. O.T. Fagbenli, uh, he played Barack Obama. And let me tell you, that man, he got that voice down. Uh, you know, we had to add a mold to him, which we, you know, would put that on every day and color it. But he was concerned about Obama's ears because that is something that, you know, he's really well known about his big ears. So, of course, we went to Mike McCarty, uh, which is a special effects person. Uh, he, you know, did a sculpture and molded some big Obama ears uh, specific to OT's ears. And so Mylene Melendez, who was on my team, she was responsible for applying those ears every day he worked. Um, so we had to age him a little bit, put some age spots on him. You know, they grade his hair up a little bit over in the hair department. Um, and just to age him, OT really had a lot of input in regards to what he felt was needed for that character. And, and it's our job to help them create the character. So we did that. And I think that it I think that that went pretty well for, for OT. So for Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, which was played by Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland is, a, is you know, kind of a thin, thinner guy. But as we know, as Franklin D. Roosevelt got older, he, you know, he had a gobble. I mean, he was very thick under his chin area. And uh, Kiefer really didn't have that. Uh, so we had to create that. Again, Autonomous Effects, which is also Mike McCarthy, had to make that piece for us. So they made that piece for us, sent it over, and we had to apply on to Kiefer Sutherland. We had to age him. The wig person that did that block, uh, Colleen Callahan, she did an incredible job with those wigs, with the hair. You know, all that stuff really matters in terms of how the makeup is going to look. All of it has to go together. You know, so, so that was quite a challenge trying to get him to look that part by adding the jowls and adding the, the neck piece. I think that that really did help him get into looking the part. Yeah, I thought they both of their makeup jobs looked, looked really natural through the whole thing. So, and really did so invoke those characters along with the acting, of course. I think they were hey! both really committed to it, but I thought it looked great. Thank you. Thanks to my team. Actually, Laura, actually, she ended up being Kiefer's personal for, for, for that block. Um, Laura Dandridge um, actually applied uh, the piece to, to Kiefer's neck, and she did a great job. This is the thing, too. I think sometimes with um, us as people of color, we tend not to age the same way that other people may age. Um, you know, it's very hard to sometimes look at a Black person and tell really how old they really are. 
you know, so, but it's the little subtleties that you do, you know, like for example, maybe taking a little bit of the color out of their lips, um, you know, and aging them slightly around the eyes, because that is really the natural progression of how a lot of people of color age. You know, we don't, we don't go from zero to a hundred. We kind of gradually age, you know, um, you can look at, you know, somebody I'm 60, I'm almost 60, not to pat myself on the back, but the thing <laughs> of it is, is that, is that, you know, we just age uh, differently, you know? So I think that that is the other thing too. I think when you have, you know, persons of color and aging them is subtleties. So with OT, it was no different. You, you know what I mean? Barack, I guess in his later years, you know, the thing that aged the most was his hair. His hair got really, really gray, right. you know, from the time he entered into office until the time he ended, um, you know, and his face aged too, but it was subtle aging, right? And so we kind of follow the same lines of aging with the OT character. Back in the older days, like during the, you know, FDR's days, you know, things were harder, uh, you know, living was harder. It was just a harder way to live there was not as much accessibility even though they had money you know but i think that back in the day people tended to age a little bit different than they did in the in more current years only because you have more accessibility to skin creams and you know things that you didn't have uh, back in the 60s well talking about all the work you put into creating the look on the other side of that, it's how that look shows up on camera. And I'd like to hear about the relationship you had with the director of photography, Amir McCree, on this project. Oh, my God. Amir was absolutely uh, incredible. I mean, there are many days where I would go over to Amir and, you know, and look at the monitor and, and you know, in any comments that I had, you know, if, if, if I had a situation where, you know, I had an actor that really didn't didn't rest that well you know what I mean and you know we have makeup on them Susanna still wants them to look natural so there's only so much that you can put on them you know those would be days where I would say listen I we may need a little bit of help you know they're a little bit dark under their eyes you know Amir was always open to that I mean I know with the um with the Betty Ford block Michelle Pfeiffer in the scene some of the scenes where she had to play the part of being a drunk and she played that part, but lighting had a lot to do with how she looked during those scenes. You know, of course, Valley's handiwork also helped. I, I think as a makeup artist, as a professional, so important and so critical to be able to work with your DP and have a great relationship with them because they can really make or break your work. And I think in the case of the first ladies, I think everybody looked amazing. I, I really, you know, think for the most part. Almost everybody looked amazing in, in that project. You know, you always will have one or two people where you say, oh, well, I wish I could have done this better. I wish this looked a little bit different, you know, but sometimes, you know, that's, you know, the hand that's doing it. And sometimes it's, it's, it's lighting. Well, it's interesting to select a DP for a project like this, where you've got men and women at various ages, you've got people of color and how all that light comes together. It, it takes a lot of experience, I think. And it sounds like Amir really brought that to this project, but I know that's not always the case. Oh God, that's not always the case. And you know what, and as a makeup artist too, I think one of the things that you have to look at, you know, if you have a really dark skinned African-American person or African person or however you want to put it, and then you have a really light skinned person or a white person, you know, sometimes if they're in a scene together as a makeup artist, 
you know, very often, you know, I'll add a little bit more color to the lighter person to give them a little bit more color so that it's not so hard for the DP to light that type of scenario. Um, so it's learning how to do all of that stuff. And I think that, you know, it just comes from working and experience. But when you have a good DP, they understand how to light one side and light the other side, you know, differently if you have two people working, you know, so, so again, that comes with experience. Uh, with an experienced DP that also comes with an experienced makeup artist as well in terms of trying to make that look blend together uh, without one person getting completely washed out and the other person fading out because you can't see them. As an artist, you know, it's our responsibility to understand that concept, to be able to look at the monitor and kind of quickly make that decision if you see something that is off and then you have to go over and tell the DP or as the makeup artist, you have to go in and try and make the adjustments. It's been many a times where I've had to go in and make the adjustment, you know, because, um, you know, and I think, I think that makeup artists are so underrated because the thing that we do is that we have to keep those actors happy. We have to keep the director happy. We have to keep the producers happy and still get everybody out looking good and on time. And many times, you know, they want to give you five minutes to go in and do a touch up, you know, and the DP or the lighting people can take two hours to, to light something. It's, it's definitely, I think, an unfairness in that. I mean, I've spoken about that. I speak about that on the show that I'm on now. You know what I mean? That I think that everybody's position is important, you know? So if you give the DP the time to do what they need to do, then respect what I do and my team does to give us the time to do what we need to do as well. So if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, allow us that time and not rush us out, you know? And unfortunately some ADs, I, I, I mean, oh God, don't get me started on that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to try to defend all ADs at this part of the show. Uh, it, it looks to me that whatever team you had on uh, the First Lady, though, they did give you the time because yeah. this would be very easy to fall into caricature between prosthetics and makeup and sort of, but it doesn't. All these folks really look good over the years and the way it ages. Like, I'm very impressed. And so I'm assuming that you did have the support you needed on this show. Absolutely. This show, this is one of the best shows that I've worked on in terms of production support. Uh, it was incredible. Our producers, Pavelina uh, was, you know, one of the producers on the show. She was, she was amazing. You know, I, there was nothing that I didn't go to her and say, listen, we need, you know, this in order to make this happen. I never got any, you know, pushback, you know, and, and I think that goes along too with you as a department head kind of understanding what you need and being able to ask and convey to them why you need it, you know, as opposed to just arbitrarily just going and asking for stuff. I, I They knew that I didn't roll like that. If I went to them and said, listen, I need to do X, Y, and Z, they were like, okay, no problem, because I was going to be able to deliver the goods on what I've requested. Production-wise, it, it was very supportive. And at the height of COVID, you know, lucky for me, like I said, I can't say enough about my team, you know, Chantel uh, Langston, uh, Mylene Melendez. They were my hardcore <laughs> team that was there with me from, from the beginning to the end. And, and they really made a difference. And I, I had um, on this show also a research person, a, a PA, her name was Mackenzie. And let me tell you, every day she was on the computer 
researching, pulling stuff, uh, making sure, you know, so it's having logistically all those things together. It really did make a difference in terms of how our department flowed and production could, could tell. I mean, we would get comments about how organized we were. But again, I attribute that to my to my team because I certainly couldn't do it by myself. Well, congratulations on this show, Carol. Uh, we're going to call it a wrap, but thank you for being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> thank you. You're fun to talk to. <laughs> We'll put that one in the bank. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you think I'm fun to listen to, you can find my contact info on our website, below the line one word dot biz, that's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media, so check it out. Carol, where next are we gonna see your work? Probably on The Color Purple. That's gonna be coming out in 2023. The Color Purple Reimagined is a musical. It is, it's going to be amazing. The music is amazing. Aesthetically, it's amazing. So look out for that in 2023. Carol, that sounds fascinating. I hope you'll come back and talk about it. Absolutely, I'd love to. My shout outs are to The Regular Bunch. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and all of our listeners, I appreciate you. One last note before I let you go. This is the last episode of season 12. And even though we've been talking about the First Lady, we're releasing this episode on Father's Day. So I wanna mark the occasion with one last shout out to my dad. As regular listeners may recall, my father was a 30-year Army veteran who simply loved going to the movies. COVID took him from us right before Christmas in 2020, and while it's been a long wait, next month he'll be interred at Arlington Cemetery with full military honors. I'm going to take this break between seasons to spend some time with family and friends, but the podcast should be back with new episodes in late July. If you're new to the podcast, I hope you'll check out our back catalog. Whatever your taste, I bet we've discussed a show you like. Please rate us wherever you get your podcast and share us with your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.